Oh, hey, y'all. You've heard me brag for a while now about how I, a person who used to be scared to use my own oven, learned how to cook like a real live adult during lockdown, and now I am as good as that guy on the bear. Now, this is all true. Uh, here's the thing, though. Even though I am now an amazing chef, it takes me a very long time to cook. It is not something that comes naturally to me. And lately, my life has gotten way, way, way more busy, and I do not have the time to devote to cooking like I used to. That is why I am so deeply excited about the pod's new sponsor. They came along exactly when I needed them. I am talking about Factor. Let me tell you a little bit about Factor. Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You will have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie-smart, vegan and veggie, and more. And... There's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. Y'all, do you understand how amazing it is to have a microwave meal that that tastes like I spent hours cooking it, but it comes pre-prepared? One of my favorites that Factor sent me was roasted garlic butter salmon with celery root cauliflower mash and Parmesan broccoli, and it just came like that. I didn't have to cook it. Y'all, what are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Here are some facts. Factor, they make two-minute meals. Fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. They also do snacks, smoothies, and more. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save, y'all. Factor has done the math. They are less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian-approved to be nutritious and delicious, Factor is the perfect solution if you are looking for fast, upscale options done easily. They're also flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We are talking no prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there is no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. What more do you need to hear, y'all? Head to factormeals.com slash comingoutpod50 and use code comingoutpod50 to get 50% off. That's code comingoutpod50 at factormeals.com slash comingoutpod50. Get 50% off! Bye. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 
91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hey, y'all. Hi. So as per usual, we will be taking off the last Wednesday of December. Um, it's, our, it's our holiday tradition. <laughs> uh, but before we do that... We are going to do our other holiday tradition, which is release a listener mailbag episode. Indeed we are. And this is where you come in. We want to hear from you. We want your questions, your queries, your queer queries. Mm. (laughs) Mm. No question is too ridiculous or too racy. And we really enjoy this episode so much every single year. We love connecting with you all. And we just want to know what you're interested in. (laughs) Yeah, we do. Um, And this... This, that our listener mailbag episode is going to be dropping a week from today. Uh, so don't hesitate. Get those questions in right now. Yeah, I mean, sex, polyamory, coming out, obviously, gay stuff, um, our opinions about things, as though we don't give them to you enough already. Uh, whatever, whatever you want to hear, we will answer. Hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at, at comingoutpod, or if it's in a special intricate question, you can email us at comingoutpod at gmail.com. Thanks. Enjoy this week's episode with the wonderful Stell. Bye! Hello, everybody! Hey, y'all! Welcome to Coming Out with Lauren and Nicole. We are a weekly podcast where we bring on queer folks from all walks of life. They tell us the tales of how they came out to friends, family, and the world at large. Because who doesn't love a coming out story? This, I'm, I'm, exci- I'm very excited about this episode. Uh, our guest reached out to us uh, over email um, and had a, a very, uh, <laughs> a very uh, attention grabby <laughs> couple of sentences. Um, her, oh, yeah. her, her story is, is really unique. I would go so far as to say intense. Um, and so uh, we, there's no need to, to tease anymore. We will hear it. We are here with Stell. Hi, Stell. Hi, Hi Stell. Hi. Happy to be here. Thank you for joining. <laughs> yeah, us. thank you so much. Yeah, this is awesome. Um, we are. I, I know almost nothing about your story. This is going to be very, very new to me. Um, but we we really appreciate like you reaching out. Um, specifically because you know we love obviously all our guests and everyone who has you know from the easiest stories to the most difficult. Um, but it is really. Uh, refreshing and heartening when we hear stories that are super unique, um, mainly just because I think that there are more people out there who feel like they're alone in their own in, in their own journey and they are not. Um, so thank you so much for bringing your story and being willing to talk about it. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Happy to be here. And and you, if you're an astute listener, you'll notice we're 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 just saying Stell. We're keeping this one uh, a a little. We're a keeping little it Madonna big. and yeah. Beyonce and mm, yeah and Cher, yeah. all the divas and Cher, um, all the great ones. Yeah. So so Stell, uh, you you are more than welcome to to introduce yourself and say anything, but you can also let your story speak uh, for itself if you. But I will give you this. This uh, forum, if you if you want to say anything to the listeners before we dive in, 
Yeah, I mean, my my yeah, my name is Stell, and um, I've kind of been fairly private the last couple of years. But if you Google my name, you know, stuff comes up, which is always fun, um, especially when it comes to work or anything like that. Um, I currently work full time in law, and so. Um, I'm in the process of changing my name completely over, uh, legally. So all my friends and chosen family refer to me as Stell. Um, my legal name is different. Um, but yeah, so, so for now that's, that's about who I am, but yeah, we can get into the, the nitty gritty as well <laughs> of the story. Before, uh, before we get into, uh, said nitty gritty, uh, Stel, how do you identify um, I identify as a lesbian, um, and then pronouns she, her. Yeah. So I'm all the way. Yeah. For the, the lesbian team. <laughs> I did a little shoulder wiggle for those who, who are, which is all of you who, who couldn't see it. So that was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's just get to Nitty it. I, it there's, there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot to discuss. So yeah, please, uh, Tell us, tell us your story. Yeah. So, um, so I, yeah, I reached out to you guys cause, um, I'm starting to become, um, head in a little bit more of a public direction with my story. Um, about two years ago, I gave an interview that kind of went far and wide. Um, and it was in a deconstruction, um, platform. So God is great interviewed me and told my story um, I grew up in rural Oregon and I am one of eight children and, um, my mother is educated. She has her bachelor's and her master's, but she married uh, a man who is very, very religious and he founded a small church, um, which is a very loose term. And now, um, that I've kind of left it, it's very much a cult. Um, and they do not meet in like an actual church building. They only meet in homes. Um, the women are not allowed to speak in church. Um, the men are propped up as the leaders. There's no sex education, no birth control. Um, and yeah, so basically all the families have a lot of children. Um, I grew up wearing matching dresses, wearing head coverings, um, obviously being taught that I was going to marry a man and that there was no choice in the matter. Um, when I was a little over 15, I was betrothed to someone and then that happened again when I was 17. And at that point I was engaged. Um, somehow I did find the courage to break off that engagement um, because that person was not a good person. And I was just like, I can't do this. Um, so yeah, I grew up in an environment that was extremely repressive. Um, I didn't watch TV. I didn't read books. I didn't, I, I did not go into the outside world unless it was with my family or accompanied by my siblings. Um, I convinced my parents to let me take a few classes at the community college. So, and even then my brother had to accompany me everywhere I went. Um, so yeah, very, very repressive, um, upbringing. Were you, were you homeschooled? Yes. Uh, To that point? Yeah. Okay. So, so I was homeschooled. Um, there was some co-op classes, which is really popular in very fundamental homeschool groups where, all of the, you know, the group gets together and some of the moms teach classes. So I did a little bit of that, but for the most part, it was completely at home homeschooling. Um, in the state of Oregon, they do require you to do state testing if you're homeschooled. So we did that because it's a requirement. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of a little bit about it. And, um, my dad, you know, was, 
interesting. He, you know, it's part of the reason why the first interview went so far and wide was that he practiced corporal punishment. He taught that in the groups. There was a lot of that going on as well. And as extreme as you can get with that, um, that's kind of what had happened um, growing up. And yeah, so I, I went through all of that and I'm a pretty strong personality, but um, for a lot of my younger years, I was very, I tried to be as, you know, pleasing as possible and kind of just going along with the flow because um, women were not taught about finances, were not taught that, like, that you had no way of basically leaving unless you got married. And so every woman in that group tried to get married as young as possible. So a lot of my friends who grew up in that church are now married with five children and they're the same age as me. So it was it's kind of amazing that I managed to leave and why I left was at one point, um, I was about 19 and my dad sat me down and was like, you know, you either have to do everything I say or you have to leave. And because I had no money, no car, I had no resources, no degree, like nothing. I think his plan was that I was just going to be like, okay, like, okay, that's fine. But I called my aunt and I had her come get me. And then I slept on a stranger's couch for two weeks and I got my first job. And then I never looked back and, um, started contracting. Yeah. Sorry, I, this, um, I'll, I'll say religion, although I, I do, like you said, cult seems uh, more, more appropriate. Was this, did your dad essentially like invent this? Uh, d- like, mm. okay, so he literally, I mean, obviously very strong roots in Christianity, but he was sort of like doing his own thing in terms of the corporal punishment and women not being able to speak in church. Like, are these all elements that he brought into it just of his own? It's a good question. I mean, as you kind of get into the rabbit hole, so there's some leaders that he definitely piggybacked off of. One of them would be Michael Pearl, um, Michael and Debbie Pearl. I don't know if you know that name, but they're, they've yeah, I've heard gotten of into a lot of trouble. So yeah, they, they, we had their books in our home growing up. I read, um, Trained to be as help me, which basically goes through how to be a good wife to whatever man you're married to, no matter what they do to you. There's a lot of like, um, yeah, there's a lot of teachings around that. So he definitely gleaned from different people, but this non-denominational church was his own idea. Um, and so there was never more than, I would say maybe 60 people in this group. So it was a very, very small group and everyone coming in was vetted. So the elders would sit down with them and be like, what are your beliefs? What do you think? And then people were excommunicated if they didn't fall in line. So there were there were couples where the wife was more strong or the wife would want to speak in church or she would want to do this or that. And they were told, like, listen, you're not basically listening to the way we do this. So you have to go. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of because that was the entire social group I knew growing up. There was a lot of um, like trauma around like my best friends would leave and I would never speak to them again. Or there was a lot of that too, because like families Mm -hmm. came and went because the environment was so intense. Um, but yeah, and they're still in existence today. Um, and, and kind of a very weird element of this story is that my mother started a blog and it kind of took off. And so she actually has a presence on social media now, which is very weird considering how we grew up. And obviously everything that my father and her and other people in the group um, pedal is very fundamental. It's very archaic, but it's they're still using social media in an effective way. And a lot of these people actually make money off of it, like selling these ideas that are incredibly like just, yeah, archaic. Um, yeah. 
So did you ever, if you don't mind speaking to it, did you ever have conversations with your mom about like the sort of fundamental uh, disconnect of her? I mean, literally being as educated as she was having a master's and then teaching women not to become educated or be able to use their voice if they were educated. Did you did you ever have a conversation with her about that? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say I was a lot closer to my mom than my dad. And, mm. and after mm-hmm. the, I gave the interview, my mom has not talked to me since, and it's been two years. So like no communication <sighs> whatsoever, um, which is a little bit odd because she'll still refer to having eight children on social media, which is, I think is kind of funny. I'm like, mm, okay. Mm. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we've, we definitely had conversations. The problem is like, my dad is such a strong person that whatever he says goes in the home. And so it doesn't really matter. I remember the last time I was home for Christmas a couple years ago, um, my sisters had gotten into a discussion with him of like, I think it's fine that women work outside the home. I think that's fine. And he was having a really negative pushback against that. And my mom, you know, sided with him, which again, isn't really logical because she actually is the one that kind of created their whole business that they now are relying on to pay for things. Um, So yeah, I mean... If I, which I don't have access to her now, but if I talk to her now, she would probably say like, I do believe that women can be educated, but it's in this very, very strict, like, Mm. like limit. Right. So I have some siblings that went to a very, very small Christian college. Um, I have two siblings. Um, only one of them was female. Um, but you know, so maybe she would say like, yeah, we do believe in education just as long as it's this particular thing. And I visited my sister at this college, um, which I'm not going to name because I try to protect my siblings, like identity and everything. But, um, and I was wearing this like skirt and this like shirt with like sort of spaghetti straps, but not really. And she was like, Oh, you mm-hmm. got to put on a sweater. Cause like I'll get in trouble yeah. for that. So like that kind of college oh. where it's like, got okay, yeah. like, are we really, mm-hmm. are we really educating people here? You know, so yeah, really, maybe this, a college in name. Is this really yeah. education? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, she would say that, yeah, education is fine, but it has to be in a strict, it has to be in a strict boundary and you have to submit to your husband no matter what. Um, yeah. So do you know the circumstance or just like how your, your mom met? Your dad and how the relation, it's, it's just an interesting, mm-hmm. I, I just always wonder how. How this happens? How things yeah. like that begin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, my dad um, is from Canada and my mom is from California, actually. They met later in life and um, I obviously, I have religious friends and I definitely support people's, you know, whoever wants to practice whatever they want to practice, I support that. I do think that there is a correlation in religious Christianity and like fundamentalism of progression. And that's something that Mm -hmm. I'm going to start to talk more about, more about, because there are links between like, how did we get from here to here? How did we go from this, like pretty reasonable, but you know, some parts of it are a little interesting to like, we're wearing head coverings. We exactly. you know, don't watch yeah. any secular media. Like there's a progression. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. 
that's what it was like uh, with my parents. Like they met and then they just became slowly more and more and more and more fundamentalists. Yeah. And then once you're okay. in that group, if you're surrounded by everyone who thinks like you, it's you're isolated. So you don't understand that other people yeah. think differently. And there was a yeah. lot of us against them rhetoric. So like the government was bad and like psychologists are bad and like mm -hmm. everything has to like basically God's word is the only reliable source of information. And so once you get to that stage, you're gone. Like there's no like reasoning yeah. with it. Um, my mom uh, worked on a recent project that I, cause I looked her up the other day and it's all about like, you know, basically rekindling your desire for your husband. And I read through some of it's a book and I read through some of it and it's like, it's literally promoting rape culture within a marriage. It's oh, basically uh, saying, oops. yeah. Oh yeah. So there's all kinds of things like that where it's like, yeah, you can put it in a book or you can be successful potentially on social media, but the stuff you're actually like promoting is like, you know, praise be type yeah. of crap. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 There's a, there, I know. And I, I didn't want to say it because I was like, that's going to sound very ignorant, Nicole, but like there is a lot of Handmaid's Tale that's happening in I like mean, my I've been thought to process say it too. Here. I know it's so cliche, well, but. Well, and I mean, like, but it, to, okay. And granted, I am not caught up, so, <laughs> so I haven't even watched the last two seasons because it's so intense. But, 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 um, the way that you're you're describing your mother's journey reminds me so much of of the the um wife, mm -hmm. the like lead wife in the. I don't know if you watched the show. I but, haven't oh, seen it because I saw half the like thirty seconds of the trailer, and it was so and triggering. Like, nope. I was like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't I think. Did not watch no. It, no, but if Nicole but and a, there I is, couldn't yeah. handle it, I don't think you should. Yeah, like it's a, it's a, no. it's a, it's a lot. It's very well um, done. We'll leave it at that. It's, it is, <laughs> it is extremely well it's done. Too yeah. well but done. it's reminding me of there's there is a a woman in it who is uh, very educated, and you find out more and more about her backstory because it's confounding. Because you're like, how did this? How and be, you kind of see how it happens so mm -hmm. anyway um but yeah 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 so wait so okay so when you left how old were you again i was 19 19 yeah. okay cool and so you said you also i wanted to clarify this so you were bet betrothed at 15 but then that was broken off so how did that did that get broken off because you were just like i'm not doing it and they paired you with somebody else so, or, or how did... yeah so i have to so the way it worked is that the 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 and this is still happening. And it's really funny because all the people that were involved in that interview that I did, and then the people who ended up suing me and Brenda for doing that interview, they still do this exact same thing. They just released a podcast. We were talking about this exact. So this is still happening. But what happens <sighs> is the, the son approaches the father and asks for permission. And then because the daughter has been literally indoctrinated from birth to think like marriage is literally what I was put on this earth to do, have babies, they agree to it. So that's what happened, right? Uh, so this guy approached my dad and was like, I'd like to pursue this person. And there's all this pressure because all of these families know each other. So saying sure. no to this person who you're all friends with is like the pressure is insane. So that's what happened. We were best friends with this family. This guy approached my dad and he was only 17 at the time. And they he also was 17 and you were 15 yeah. at the time. That, oh so, God. and they get married as soon as it's legal. So this just happened to, and, and it's the same, same people again, who involved, got us involved in a lawsuit. Their, their son and daughter just went through this. 
Um, but yeah, they get married as soon as possible, as soon as it's legal. So we went to a wedding in Texas. It was the same group of, of people. They happened to live in a different state. Um, we went to their wedding and she got married the day she was 16. Cause that was as soon as she could do it. And the guy she married was like 15 years older than her. So this stuff happens all the time. <laughs> it happens all the time. So yeah. So I was approached and because I thought that that was the only way out, in terms of like, this is like my future. This is what God has planned for me. So this is what you do. So I said yes. And um, I had some issues actually with just like the interpersonal dynamics with the family in general, um, because he was so young, he wasn't really able to like do anything on his own. And I just was like, hey, if we're going to like, even it, as a child, I was like, even if we're going to have a relationship, like we need to be able to communicate and um, so yeah, it kind of just fizzled out. I was like crying a lot. I was like crying all the time. And I, I guess my parents were just like, mm, this isn't working. <laughs> so, yeah. but that's uncommon. Like once you, and, mm-hmm. and I might say there, nothing's happening before marriage. So there's no kissing, no holding hands, no, no sex, obviously. So, um, a lot of my friends ended up getting married and they turned out to be gay. They were ace. They weren't sexually compatible. So that happened also yeah. all the time. Yeah. But, sure, but for whatever reason, um, with that situation, um, I, I remember having some kind of conversation with my dad where I was like, this is just not working. This is not working. And I think at the time we kind of put it off as like, well, we might revisit this later. But then the family got so offended that, that it just ended completely. So. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And then with the guy when you were 17, uh, was that was that the same kind of situation, like approached your dad's yep. whole yep. same thing? Okay, yep. got it. So got it. he – so and, and actually that, that guy was the brother of that girl who got married a day over 15 – or 16 in uh, Texas. Oh, wow. So that was her brother. So when we went down wow. to that wedding, I was 12. And at the time, he was 16. And he told my dad, I'm interested in – you know, savory. And my dad was like, oh, well, you'll have to wait. And then he approached when I was 17. And then we ended up courting for a few months. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So then when at 19, what was the what was the catalyst where your dad sat you down and was like either get with the program or leave? Like, was there a tipping point or was it just a number of things that let like? Well, I was never. So I remember one time I went over to my best friend's house and she and her dad had a disagreement and they yelled at each other. And my whole mindset shifted when I heard this and I was like, we got to <laughs> we got to get out of here. We got to leave right now because I was thinking like it's going to like it's not going to end well. Um, because that's what I, so I never, I've never yelled at my dad. I've never like overtly like done the whole teenage thing. Cause like you would, you would get the shit beat out of you. So like, I never, you, it was never a question of like, Ooh, can I challenge him? So it was more, my dad requires total control, total control, total submission. Anything else is rebellion. And so I think he started to sense that I was kind of just like doing my own thing, just like in a vibe sense. And that's what led to that conversation. So we didn't have a big argument. We didn't have a throwdown because like he would never tolerate that. It was more just like, I'm feeling some pushback from you. So you either have to like get with the program or you got to go. Um, so if you were engaged to the, or, or whatever they were calling it to this guy at 17, but then that conversation happened at 19, how did... C- how did you not end up married to him in that 
two-year period. Right. So he, yeah, so he, so we knew their family, right? Which this is going to sound crazy, but this is what happened. So we knew their family and he wrote, my dad and was like, I'd like to come up to get to know Savory to, um, you know, see if we can get married. And so he came up and he asked me to court him that trip. So there was like, that, that was it. And I said, yes, again, cause you're literally, yeah, you're programmed to say yes. So I said yes. And then we ended up, um, courting for a few weeks and then he proposed a few weeks later. So it, there was no, like, so he came up and I had already told him, I don't like to be rushed. I'm very much like a, if I say something, I, I mean what I say, like I'm, I don't play games. So I had said, I don't want to be rushed. I told my dad, I don't want to be rushed. And it was a very overwhelming for me. And he came up and he surprised proposed to me. And my dad had told him like, you can, you can propose to her, but she'll probably say no, or she's going to say no, something along those lines, but he did it anyway. And because I felt so much pressure in that moment, again, we were best friends with our entire family. And I was like, this is, you know, he's has dark hair and he's a man. So like, that's, you know, so I said, I said, yes, (laughs) I said, yes, but, um, I think there was a gradual progression of me starting to, after everything that happened to me and everything I went through, I've always had um, something internal that like guides me in terms of like, I kind of, I can hit a wall with situations where I'm like, no, no matter what the pressure is in that moment, I'm like, I can tune into myself and be like, all right, wait a second, what's going on? So he proposed to me and I remember, I remember looking at him and I remember being like, this is the end. Like, I remember being like, this is the end. Like, I just felt so much despair and he put the ring on and he was sitting next to me crying. It was like late at night. It was dark. He didn't give me his jacket. I was freezing. And I just remember like zoning out. There was like a river and I was just was staring and being like, this is the end. Like, I don't, I can't do this. And I was starting to feel, I was just starting to feel that. Like I literally, and in the moment, like he had just proposed, I'm sitting with the ring and I looked at him and I don't know what came over me. And I just was like, we'd been there for like 10 minutes. And I looked at him and I was like, I can't do this. And I took the ring off and I gave it back to him. And then we drove home. He was staying with our family because he was, you know, long distance. And yeah. And after that, he just became a complete asshole. And he, you know, told me that I'd been leading him on. I was flirting with him. It was my fault. And we kept like courting for another, I think five months. And then after that, um, I had decided, okay, I got to make a decision. I got to marry this person. I'm going to go down and I want to see him around his friends. I want to see like how he acts around his friends. Cause he was not very nice to me. But I expect that because that's what how my dad was. So I was like, okay, that's that's how it is. And for me, my only criteria in my mind was like, as long as he doesn't hit me, then it's fine. Like that was my only bar that oh I had set. God. Like as long as he doesn't wow. hit me, that's it. So I was like, all right, I want to yeah. see him with his friends. And five months had gone by. So my mom and I, again, because we traveled together always, like there was never any independence. So my mom and I were going to go down to Texas, which is so weird, to like see him and like basically make up my mind if I was going to marry this person. And three days before we were going to go down, he called up and um, he's like, hey, listen, um, I've talked to my buddies about you and you make me feel like less of a man. So I'm done. And then he cut it off. (laughs) So, and we had the, we still had the tickets. He didn't offer like anything. So that was it. And then he just like hung up and I just was like, okay. (laughs) So, um, which I take great pride in now 
like that yeah, I made I was him feel like that's awesome. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah, buddy. Yeah. Um, You're like, uh, you doing mean God's work. <laughs> I'm showing you who you are. That's cool. Cool. Good. Um, yeah, so great. that's, I'm glad I'm. Yeah. Glad but I'm if here. he hadn't done that, I would have, I mean, I don't see how I would not have married him because like, oh, I didn't feel God. like I had a choice. But he ended up lucky in a oh. yeah in a way. <laughs> oh God! The one time oh, a man's God. ego has saved me. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So then, oh my God! So then, all right. So you left at then nineteen when your dad was like, "This is not. You're not conforming." Essentially. And you went to stay with your aunt. So your aunt, mom, mom, sister, dad, sister. So it was my dad's sister. And she actually just gave me a ride. So I, because I couldn't, I kept everything hush, hush. My mom was not home at the time. And Uh she, we never talked about it after she got back. She was like, oh, like, and, and this is crazy because like, again, you're, you stay at home until you're married and then you move in with your husband. Like that's what happens. So this was like un, unheard of. Um, so yeah, so I packed up all my things. My aunt came and got me and I don't remember what I said to her, but I didn't tell her the truth. I was just like, oh, I'm just going to like go stay with my friend for a while. And this friend Uh, was, I didn't even know we're good friends now, but I didn't know her. She was someone I knew through like a youth group situation. And I was, I didn't tell her any details. And we talk about this now because we're, um, I'm, I'm friends with her, but she was just like, yeah, you just kind of like, we're super quiet and didn't say anything. Cause I was scared, so I just pretended. Was she like, on the oh, outside like, of the of the cult? Shall we say? Was she or was she? Um, she wasn't in. She was wasn't she? in our church, but she was in some of the community that mixed in that circle. So she worked with someone. Okay. She worked with someone who my dad okay. like mentored. So and but she she's at the as time secular as you could get in that kind of a scenario. Yeah. Yeah. And she tried to talk to me because she thought something was up. You know, she had said like, Hey, like, is everything fine? Like, this seems a little bit weird. And I was just like, yeah, it's, everything's great. Like I just, I'm just moving out. It's like really normal. And yeah. And then I moved into like, uh, yeah, a tiny, tiny little, yeah. House that did not have great heating and walked to work in the snow every day. And yeah, just, kind of pulled myself up by the bootstraps and was like, all right, I'll just figure this out. And it's really weird. So, it's like, I didn't, I didn't even have, because it was a part, it was a part-time job, like it in a retail store. So I didn't barely have enough for rent, let alone food. That's what I was going to so, ask. Yeah. yeah. So like that was, that was, was rough. And, and because I couldn't say anything, I didn't go public with anything. I didn't talk about anything, even to my friends. Cause I felt like I had to like, um, keep it together. I just didn't say anything. And there were several times my mom knew because there were several times she like brought me food, like, like a, like a Mm. box full of food. So she knew, she knew what was going on. And I, I would always be like, Oh, I don't need that. But you know, I literally could not afford anything. So I was like, okay. (laughs) But yeah, that's so terrifying. I mean, you, you legitimately like escaped essentially, like you've escaped a cult and now you're, you're having at 19 you're having to live on your own for the first time which p.s is even like if i'd had to live on my own at 19 i would have been fucking terrified like i didn't know what i was doing and so but the fact that you're having to do this with with purposefully not even not just being set up to live that way but being actively discouraged from learning skills that can help you like i just can't imagine Mm -hmm. how 
was it just kind of putting one foot in front of the other and literally taking it minute by minute? Because like, I just can't imagine how you you were able to get yourself out of that situation. That's I'm I'm so like that's so admirable. I I'm just very impressed. I mean, I think, yeah, I don't know. I think when you're at that, at that level of survival, I think your mind is very like, it's very simple. You're like, okay, I know I have to pay rent because if I don't, I literally have nowhere to go. And I was, I was in, I was living in a house that was built in like the 1930s and this was in the winter in Oregon. So it was like two to six feet of snow. So it was, I was cold every night. It it didn't have any of the insulation. It was like one of those like really like thin walled houses with no, um, what's that called? The the stuff between the- Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It looks like candy, but it'll kill you if you eat it. Yeah, Yeah. and I lived, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. I lived with like, three other people, I think. So, um, so yeah, so, so the rent was as cheap as I could get it for where I was. Um, but yeah, I was like cold all the time, but I knew like, okay, like I know I have to pay rent. Cause like that, so that's priority. And then whatever's left I'll spend on food. And that was, that was it. That's all I focused on. Um, so yeah, I had like little plans. Like I could get, I remember I would just eat like French fries from Red Robin. Cause it was like right next door at my work. So I just eat that just like one every day because that was really cheap and I would have enough energy to like, so I could walk home and then I would just like have a really small dinner and then just try to like make everything like last. Like I bought a lot of like rice and beans because like that goes for a long time. And yeah, I remember one time because like rice and beans get really boring. (laughs) I remember one time I just was like, I can't eat this anymore. And I remember thinking like, well, then you're not that hungry because like, yeah. yeah. Cause if you were hungry, you'd eat it. <laughs> so there was a lot of that, but, um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't like talk about it or say that to anyone. And yeah. Cause like, I knew that once I had that discussion, then everything was going to like come to the light. And I was terrified of my dad and I was terrified cause he had power and they, even today, they still have a pretty big presence on social media, which is alarming, which is why I'm going to be more public now with everything. Cause like they literally, have platforms and, and they promote this kind of thing. And, and I knew that if I went back, they would take me back. I just would have to like completely fall in line. And I just was like, I'm not, I'm not, I can't do this anymore. Cause I was going to die. I felt like I was going to die either way. I was like, I'm either going to have to go back and have food or I'm in. And so for me, there was just some, there was a, a switch and I just like, I can't do this. I cannot do this. Oh, Hey y'all. You've heard me brag for a while now about how I, a person who used to be scared to use my own oven, learned how to cook like a real live adult during lockdown, and now I am as good as that guy on the bear. Now, this is all true. Uh, Here's the thing, though. Even though I am now an amazing chef, it takes me a very long time to cook. It is not something that comes naturally to me. And lately my life has gotten way, way, way more busy and I do not have the time to devote to cooking like I used to. That is why I am so deeply excited about the pod's new sponsor. They came along exactly when I needed them. I am talking about Factor. Let me tell you a little bit about Factor. Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. 
Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You will have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. Y'all, do you understand how amazing it is to have a microwave meal that that tastes like I spent hours cooking it, but it comes pre-prepared. One of my favorites that Factor sent me was roasted garlic butter salmon with celery root cauliflower mash and Parmesan broccoli. And it just came like that. I didn't have to cook it. Y'all, what are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Here's some facts. Factor they make two-minute meals. Fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. They also do snacks, smoothies, and more. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save, y'all. Factor has done the math. They are less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian-approved to be nutritious and delicious, Factor is the perfect solution if you are looking for fast, upscale options done easily. They're also flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We are talking no prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there is no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. What more do you need to hear, y'all? Head to factormeals.com slash comingoutpod50 and use code comingoutpod50 to get 50% off. That's code comingoutpod50 at factormeals.com slash comingoutpod50. Get 50% off! Bye. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Do you, at at any point in in this, at any point, did, like, the sexual orientation bit of it come up for yeah, you even a... in, like, a latent way? Or was this very much just my gut is telling me I cannot do this and it wasn't attached to a sexuality thing. It wasn't attached to an anything. It was just my gut is not on board and the sexuality thing came later. That's when, very, yeah. actually very accurate. Yeah. I just, I just knew I couldn't do it. And because even mm -hmm. th there was so much patriarchy in that group that being gay was never even talked about as being between women. That was never, so it was just gay men and they burn in hell. Yeah, and that's we've it. heard this before. Yeah, so, so I, I didn't even know that that was an option. Um, so yeah. And, and because again, when everything's really simple, when you're at that like place where you're, I wasn't thinking about sex, I wasn't thinking about 
-hmm. I was just very like practical of like, okay, how do I? So yeah, I didn't, I didn't think about it till much later when I was contracting out to work for the military and all my civilian public affairs colleagues were sleeping with men and like having a great time. And I was like, wait a second, why am I not participating? Mm -hmm. Um, And then that kind of led to more of my self-discovery. So yeah. Uh, so so the, how did you end up working with the military? So when I, um, so when I was, I always wanted to be a writer. And so when I was young, um, I came up with this idea. I was like, I was going to write this book and it was going to be about this girl and she was going to be stranded in the Middle East. It was like very, you know, 16 year old story. And, um, I ended up making friends with someone at, I'm, I've always been very ballsy, even though I grew up in that, that circumstance. So, um, I was like, I would love to interview like soldiers so I could get like a better sense of like what the Middle East is like. And so I cold Turkey called up the local national guard and my dad drove me and I interviewed a bunch of those people and was like, tell me about like what it's like. I want to know. And, um, someone from that, um, post, uh, ended up becoming a friend and I got contacts through him. And so I eventually started to basically work and contract. So I would write stories for the military. I would be photojournalist for the military and I would go to different posts. So I was in Kentucky, um, uh, Camp Rilea, Fort Riley. And I would just, yeah, I would just go and have a contract and, and stay for a few months or like a few days. It just depended what it was. Um, but yeah, so I, that was the original like connection in, and then I was like, Hey, to this guy, I was like, Hey, I really want to like kind of do this. Is there any possibility? Cause I thought at one point I was like, I was going to be like a war journalist, um, you know, and report. I was like, that would be so cool. Um, and so that was my thought to do that and then just kind of dabbled in it and started like going down that path. But the military is very misogynistic and it was kind of two sides of the same coin in some ways because it was so, you know, kind of out of the frying pan into the fire. So that was a wake up moment as well because I didn't know how the world worked. And then I was kind of dumped into this like circumstance where I was like, wow, it's a lot, a lot. And was that going on, is that uh, after you, is this post-19 after you had moved out or was this going on? Because you mentioned your dad like driving you. Yeah, yeah. So I couldn't even drive myself. So I stayed in touch with that person um, and we ended up becoming friends. And um, he, he was always like, you can do like whatever you want. You can be, so he, in a very like chill way but I always was like oh like he was the first guy who had ever like respected me and um I remember very clearly because I was like 16 I was like I remember clearly walking into his office and overwhelmingly feeling like oh oh I'm safe this is what Uh, (laughs) I just I'll never I'll never never forget that feeling so he was kind of a constant in my life and so he would always be like hey you could like maybe do this or do that so he he and whenever I was like what would this look like if I wanted to be like a wartime journalist? What would that, could I like, can I contract? How should I go about it? So he kind of gave me his contacts. And because he was a pretty high ranking officer, I kind of got into a lot of things that I shouldn't necessarily have gotten into. (laughs) Um, So, and like I attended a military event and like someone was there who he knew and he was like, oh, I have a post for you. Like, you should do it. I'll just, awesome. I'll connect you. Yeah. So that's kind of how that progressed. Cause I wanted to do something that was exciting, but yeah, it was over time. Oh. And, um, but yeah, he, yeah, he was a really, really good friend to me. Um, and he kind of like demonstrated, he's like, I don't, 
mean to like offend any men listening. Um, but yeah, he was the only good guy I've, I've ever come into contact with. So, yeah. so then, uh, so he, well, so yeah, so, so I, so I had, I was kind of in the back of my mind. I want to be a wartime journalist. This person kind of had given me connections. Um, but when, and he was kind of just like, Hey, if you ever need anything, like, let me know. Um, and then, um, yeah. And then he actually ended up getting uh, cancer and um, yeah, he ended up passing away. So that, oh, so that, sorry. yeah. So that was kind of like, I felt like that was like the only person I had in the whole world. So like when he passed away, it was also, it was supposed to be sudden, but then he got in like a trial drug. And so then it kind of like drug out. So once he got cancer, I was like, you know, it kind of, it changes like your perspective. And I was like, all right, I really want to invest in this military thing. I really want to like give it my all. Um, So then it kind of propelled me to do that. And then he's kept helping me right up. Yeah. Until so. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of the military thing. So. So, so then what, and, and cause I don't, I mean, it's just been, you know, dropped here and there, but I don't know anything about this interview that happened. So what, what, what was that? When was that? How did that come about? Yeah. If you don't mind talking degree, about then, it, yeah, or if you want to, okay. you want to talk about it in super broad strokes, that's 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 fine. It just seems like it's a turning point. So I don't know. I I didn't know how much you wanted to. Yeah. Talk so about I that. I had kind of been undercover um, with everything, my sexuality, with mm-hmm. like what I thought, what I believed, because like when you're raised that your family is all you have, you kind of, you know, you have that mindset of like, I have to protect them. I have to like stick with them no matter what we were very much like mm-hmm. raised with that idea. So, um, yeah, I would say, um, yeah, after that person passed away, I kind of like was like, all right, I really need to like really live life. And, um, mm-hmm. I was working with the military, um, I was trying, I was starting to figure out like, okay, I, I really don't think I'm into men, like what's happening and then exploring all yeah. of that. And so that kind of just propelled me kind of completely into like a new space. And my thought was I'll wait until my youngest sibling, cause I'm one of eight, um, graduates college or is in college. So then he has a chance to like make up his own mind of like, you know, cause I knew that if I was honest, like I would lose my family that there was not a question of whether that was going to happen or not. Um, so what, so at the time that you, even though you had moved out and you're living on your own, you were still in touch with all of them at that point. Yes. Was it it like uneasy relations like, or, or what was sort of the vibe since you had actively Mm. left this lifestyle? I mean, I feel like I should get a role in a movie because yeah, (laughs) I, I, again, when you grow up in that environment, you know what to say and you know how to act to make the narrative what people want it to be. And so I just played along with that. And yeah, so I think some of my siblings after the interview were very upset because they were like, maybe it was more of a shock to them, but I'm like, come on. Mm. Like, I couldn't have been honest with you guys. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Like... I mean, I'm going home at Christmas and my dad's like, gay people shouldn't get me like have the right to get married. Like, and I'm just like in the backseat of our 15 passenger van going like, well, you know, so there was no, yeah. And and you can look up all the content, all their content online. Like they're very like, just mm-hmm. there's two genders and like, I mean, every, every fundamental idea that you can think of they're, they're very much for. So, 
In terms of, um, without going into any like further details, uh, but just in terms of how the interview came about, did somebody just kind of find out your story and then want to, to interview you about it and you agreed? Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Brenda, uh, Brenda from God is Grace. So she, she had done this video on someone called Dale Partridge, who my dad mentored. I knew personally, and he's a terrible person. And I interacted with him personally many times. Um, and my d- dad and him were even going to like write a book together. So there was a lot of, and I watched her video on him cause I'd been watching Brenda for a while. And, um, I reached out to her and I said, thank you for calling this person out. Cause he, he's, um, he's, he's been in lots of scandals. He's plagiarized. He's, he's had companies fold. It's, he's not a great person, but he is excellent at recovering and rebranding himself. And so like Trump, yeah. <laughs> it's like Trump anyway. So, um, like a cockroach. Yeah. So he just, keeps, <laughs> he just keeps coming back and he makes money. Like his yeah. main thing is to make money. Like he presents it as this yeah. like yeah. shepherd vibe and, um, he's just sure making that money. So I watched mm. her video, which was very, um, accurate, kind, articulate, like all of her stuff. And I reached out to her and I was like, I know this person. Thank you for like speaking up about this. And like this whole, all these people are connected. This is a lot like worse than you even know. Thank you for covering this. And she reached out back and was like, I would love to talk to you about that. So yeah, so she, her whole, her whole platform is just about, um, just kind of diving into like the truth and the consequences of like what these, you know, what religion specifically Christianity is, is putting out. And so she was like, really, really wanted to talk about this more. And I had to weigh the consequence. So we went back and forth with like, what is this going to look like? What's going to happen? And I knew it was going to happen. Um, and yeah. And then I kind of had like checked out from my parents, like what they're selling, Like I kind of checked out. I wasn't really looking at what they were doing. And I went and looked and they had written these two books called hundred ways to love your daughter, hundred ways to love your son. And up until that point, they'd only done the marriage thing, which my dad has never like hit my mom. So I was like, fine with them. I was fine with it for whatever reason. I was like, they're talking about marriage. I'm not married. None of my business, (laughs) mind my business. Um, But yeah, once I saw that they had like published those books, I was like, I don't know, something just changed. And I was like, somebody's got to say something because they're actively teaching people that not only do you have to hit your kids, but you have to hit them hard enough so they'll remember it, you know? And I just, all the memories of growing up and all the, the violence and the bruises and like everything that happened, I was just like, something snapped. And I was like, someone's got to say something. Somebody has, no one's saying anything, you know? And again, all these people. And, and so some people um, in who had gotten sucked into the group, because I then went and looked at like, who is now participating in this group? Some people are like big names, like Audrey and Jeremy Roloff, who were on TLC. They were at my parents' church. They were attending it. They were being mentored by uh, my parents. They were okay. interviewing and and they have, I just seeing their like little kids and knowing, like, yeah. I was just like, fuck no, no, not, not, yes. not today. And, um, so yeah, I was like, okay, yeah. someone's got to say something. And I think that somebody like has to be me because no one else is going to say something. Cause what happens when people leave this group, they never talk about it. 
because they get excommunicated, they get kicked out, and then they're traumatized, and they just don't say anything, and they just try to recover in private. And, yeah, I just, like, saw these little kids, like, in this group, and just, like, knowing what they go through, looking at, like, Dale's daughter and being, like, she's going to have to, like, go through what I go through, and she's, like, a really strong little person, and I just was, like, somebody has to say something. Somebody's got to. Um, and I just went and looked at people's social media and they were doing all these like obedience games that uh, Michael Pearl teaches, including Audrey and Jeremy Roloff. And I just was like, these people post on their Instagram and they make it look so good. And it's not good. Yeah. It is not okay. And they say it's, it's like they, they play Little House on the Prairie. And so people think it's cute, but it's not cute because the man is literally allowed to do whatever the fuck he wants and the kids get the shortest end of the stick and the wife, you know, you know, it's just, you know, it's completely demoralized. And so I, I, I did research. I went and looked at this group again. I looked at the people who were participating. I listened to their podcasts. I looked at their social media and like one of the podcasts I listened to, the wife who is my age, who now has four children, you know, she was like, yeah, I just, we were having struggles in our marriage. And so like, I basically like gave my husband all the passwords to everything. So I don't even know what our finances look like. And I'm more happy now that I'm ignorant. She said that verbatim. She said that like, it was a good thing. And I was just like, <laughs> I cannot, I cannot do this. I, ca I can't, someone's got to say something. So once I, once I decided, okay, someone's got to say something, then I had to reckon with my family's never going to speak to me again. So and I don't honestly know, I'm not really connected to the emotion of that moment right now. So I don't know like sure. what that was like maybe because I don't think about it. But yeah, I mean, I texted all my siblings um, before the, the interview published and I just was like, I love you. And yeah, they all either blocked me, like my little brother, like texted me goodbye, you know? So, and then my mom didn't talk to me. So, um, ugh. Ever since. So yeah, it's like, it's not, I knew, I knew there was not going to be a discussion and I knew that there was not going to be like a, you know, like, let's talk about this. Like, and the weird thing is, is the, that original interview, like everything is so, Brenda's so careful. I was so careful. We like backed up everything we said with stuff they've yeah. published that they have on the internet that anyone can go look at. So it's not like I was out there, like burning my bra on the street being like, fuck you. Like it was no. so like careful. Um, and yeah, like aunts that I love, like didn't talk to me. Like every, my family just like dropped off the face of the earth. I had a, a few cousins that messaged me and was like, I support you. And I don't know if that's cause they're scared of my dad. And I don't know if that's like, I had an aunt come back after eight months, which we had been talking like every week up until that point. Right. And she like stopped talking to me for eight months, you know? And then she was like, I'm sorry, I was a coward, you know? And it's like, and at that point, you know, I appreciate it, but it's like, you can't undo some things, you know, some things are like, it is what it is. Um, so yeah, that, that was kind of the, I knew, I knew it was going to happen, but, and, and within the, pro so the video is the most, I think it's Brenda's like most viewed videos. So within like three hours, like the views just popped off and, um, someone within my family, like a third cousin texted the link to everyone. So within like, like within less than a day, everybody knew. Um, yeah. And, and people just dropped off the face of the planet. People just like looked the other way. And, uh, 
you know, I, I tried to, recently, I tried to go back and I tried to go back to Oregon to visit my aunt and cousin. And they were like, you know, we just had your parents served another night. And, and I'm just like, congrats. <laughs> so disappointing. People are disappointing. And, um, but uh, it is what it is, I guess. So I, I really have lost a lot of family, but I hunkered. And then, you know, like we talked about before we started recording, but yeah, I just, I couldn't handle it. So I just like put my Instagram on private and then just like tried to, you know, not engage with it because yeah, my, and I had one, I had one sibling text me and be like, you're doing this for attention. And like, which Uh, they always say that is the, I just want to call out. I'm so glad you said that is the line that I hear so often when people speak yep. out, it's always, yep. you're, you're doing this for you're clout, doing you're this doing for this for attention. Always. And it's just like, always. and it's such a, it's become such a like buzzwordy thing to say, because there are cases, you know, where that's like, we live in a reality TV show age. So like, it's such a thing that if it gets leveled at you, you, you feel such a need to like, it's just such a shitty thing to say. It's so insidious because there are certainly people out there doing it. But when someone is speaking up at great personal cost to themselves and doing something courageous to have that said back at them is just such a shitty, cowardly thing to tell someone. And I just yes. if anyone listening has been told that in any respect, you know whether or not what you're doing is for attention. And I would just hope that people will not. Oh, I hate when people yeah, say you're that. Like, you're oh. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's totally worth Ugh. the 15 the fifteen minutes to yeah, lose exactly. my entire exactly. family and everything that I've known. Sure. Like, yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. so. uh, I'm sorry. Are your, are your siblings, uh, where are you in the line of eight? I'm the second oldest. So I have an older brother than me and then everyone after. Okay. So got it. Yeah. So I, you know, obviously I can't I, I don't I don't know your family. I can't speak to uh, any of this. That said, I would think statistically and um, I don't know, I would think statistically that there might be one of them that comes around at some point <laughs> feels like or what do you think? I mean, I yeah. So, well, when it first when it first happened, um I, so I had my younger brother text me goodbye and then no one else talked to me except for one sister. And she was the one that was like, you're doing this for attention. Um, this is the, she's like, she said something like, you're the, this is the opposite of love. It was like a long text. It was just like, it was vitriolic. Like, yeah, which is fine. I understood it. I understood she's scared and she thinks she's been so, indoctrinated to the point where in my opinion she's not thinking for herself and that's fine and she can disagree and she can have her own reality and that's fine Um, her entire world falls apart if she listens to what you're saying so it's like that's yeah yeah. she's in fire and it's just it's just the stories the stories i was telling on the on that that interview was just like how can you say that that uh so and and in the beginning it was like in the beginning it, it it was like upset for me speaking out, which is a very the big difference. Are you upset for me speaking out? Or are you upset for me for lying? You know, cause like I wanted people to call me a liar because I can back up what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So yeah. in the beginning she had, you know, said like, 
I can't believe like you've basically exposed our family. Like that was, that was kind of her problem. And then she came back later and was like, these are lies and these, and mm-hmm. I'm like, great, which, which, which are the lies? Which ones? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. Which, which are the lies? Because you can't just say this is a lie and then not tell me what's, what's not the lie. And my brother, a year and a half, two years later, reached out on Instagram, which is weird, and messaged me and, and tried to like challenge me. And I was like, okay, are you saying that we didn't, that dad did not like discipline us? And he was like, yeah, but I wouldn't call it corporal punishment. I'm like, okay, well, this is the definition of corporal punishment. Did this happen? Yeah, but it wasn't that bad. Uh, So it's just, you know, and I just, I remember what I, you know, I remember what I remember and I did it for those memories. And, you know, if they, if they want to feel or exist in a way where they, you know, don't feel that way, that's fine. But I remember what they sounded like when dad was losing his shit and I'm not going to pretend that didn't happen. So if they need to pretend it didn't happen, that's fine, but I am not going to. And, um, I basically let that one sibling like say whatever she wanted. And I potentially would not let that happen. Now I would have been like, thank you. I can't handle this, but I just let her, I, cause I, cause she's my younger sister. And I just was like, all right, you're, you're upset and, and you're scared. And, and it's unimaginable. It's unimaginable to challenge my dad. Right. So, um, yeah. but yeah. So it's so, it's interesting because it's occurring to me, it's occurring to me that this might be the only story I can think of that we've had where like the coming out of it is so secondary. That's what I was going to, everything yeah. else that was exposed. So like the the coming out as queer. It's like this is like a coming out on such a such a grand level on like 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 coming out about essentially what your childhood was and what this group is that then the oh my sexuality is this other thing that you obviously don't approve of and reject but like sounds in so many ways secondary to everything else or like just the idea that everything you've described would be insurmountable for so many people on its own and then you have a whole other element to to come to terms with yeah well and that and that was part of the whole process in terms of like the secondary part and i i remember thinking like well i've lost everything so i might as well be like true to myself in terms of like who i love like, yeah. let's, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like, what, what do I have to lose? And I still have, I was watching um, an interview with someone and they were saying like, I don't, it was a lesbian. And she's like, I don't really understand. Like when people say that they wish they were straight. And I was just like, yeah, but mm. if you, if you come from a background where you're going to, yeah. you, you're going to lose the chance of That's having grandparents at Christmas. to have. <laughs> I was like, cause I do wish that, and I'm not ashamed to say that. And I think that not in disrespect to anyone who is straight or, or who's any other sexuality, but I think that, you know, I, for me personally, I am a lesbian and there's no like getting around that. And it's like, dang it. Like, cause I, in many ways, like if I had, even now I'm serious, this is how much the patriarchy is strong in my family and in that group. If I married a man now, the chances of me making up with my parents go up like 65, 70%, literally, just because I marry a man, literally. Um, so, but of course, that's not, 
it's not going to happen, but yeah. But yeah, so I, um, uh, this person that that military person passed away and I, uh, a couple days later after the funeral, I went to Fort Knox and I was there for three months and on a contract. And yeah, I was looking at all the civilian public affairs women and everyone was like having a good time. And I was just like, what? And I kind of, again, at that point was like, I would like to let go. And, um, and yeah, and I just couldn't with guys. So that, it kind of like started that voice in the back of my head of like, uh uh-oh, you know? Um, But there was a lot of like internalized homophobia I had to overcome feeling. Oh my God, yes. Yeah, which I kept to myself and I'm very glad because, you know, I acted super straight. I have a best friend that I met there. I just was visiting him in LA and he was like, you were, you came off like such a hoe. And I was like, I know, but I never, (laughs) I never slept with any of the guys. I just like acted like I, you know, but I never did. Um, but yeah, I, I finally got really sick of it and I was like, all right, I'm going to just have one night stand. I got to get this over with. And, um, it was with a girl and it was just normal to me that that's where I would start. And I remember telling my friend like, oh yeah, I had this experience, but everyone does like, that's everyone's like first time. And she just was like, uh, no, no, no. And she was like, okay, so like you're, you're gay. That's, that's great. I was like, oh no, what are you talking about? No, I just like slept with a girl. But she was like, well, what was it like? I was like, it was like really normal, but I'm not gay. And she was like, okay, like I, I support And you really you, believed but- that? Uh, you, did you yeah. think it was just oh, like, yeah. get it out of your system or something yeah, like I that? Thought every- then- I'm that gay. I thought everyone does that. Literally. I was yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay. I wish. <laughs> yeah. So oh I was like, yeah, that's, that's fine. That's like normal. It's like experimental. Um, and yeah, I, you know, had some other experiences, but just, I can't, I, oh man, I tried. I was just like, I can't do this. Um, the poor, the poor guys, but yeah, I just was like, I, I really am not into this. And then I still had a lot of internalized homophobia, but I was like, there has to be happiness. Like I have to figure out what other people are connecting to with like this romance thing. Cause I knew I wasn't like ace. Um, I knew that I I knew I had that in me. So I was like, so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to give it a shot. I got on the her app and went out with someone and yeah, we, we ended up going out for like a little bit. And then that like kicked off the, all the confirmations of like, okay, like, yeah. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Um, but yeah, yeah. So, and then, yeah. And then I dated a girlfriend for about two years. She was actually happened to also be in the military, but there's no connection with like my work and her. But we were at Fort Knox at the same time, which is really funny. She was uh, becoming an officer and I was there. So I was like, that's so weird. But yeah, I, I dated her for a couple years. And like, you know, once you like, for me, once I played house with a woman, I was like, okay, <laughs> there we go. Okay. And um, do you feel so- like in terms of uh, where you are with, with all of that, do you still have the thing where you're like, not wishing you were straight, but thinking it would like be easier, or do you feel like you're coming into being comfortable with it? Where where are you with the all of the indoctrination and the internalized? Because that stuff doesn't just go away. And I think people want to believe that oh, it's God, like no. you get in your first relationship and and it and it all goes away. And it's like no, this is deep rooted, unfortunately, and it's it's in yeah. your it's in a cellular level at some point. So I'm just wondering if if you're comfortable speaking about it, yeah. where where you are with that kind of struggle. 
Well, I think so. I think like the process needs to be like harped on all the time. Cause I think sometimes like there's this rushing of like, who am I? Like, I felt like this really intense pressure to get labeled, to be like, what yeah. am I? And, and just like embracing and letting go of like, all right, I'm not sure. Um, and some of that did come from some of the women I went out with that, you know, there, there is a thing in, with lesbians where they, you know, have their preferences, which I think is bullshit, but whatever. So I did go out with a few people that were like, oh, you look straight or like whatever. And I just was like, all right. Um, let's stop doing that. Yeah. Let's not, let's please stop doing that. (laughs) Stop guys. Let's, let's get together. No. Yeah. It's so terrible, but I just think the, and, and actually that first girl that I went out with, um, that I found on the, her app, she was like, I don't care what you are. And that gave me the liberation to be like, oh, okay, I can relax. I don't have to worry. Because I was worried about all kinds of things. I was worried about what if I think I'm gay and then I'm not and I get involved with someone and I break their heart. What if, you know, there's all kinds of stuff that your mind jumps through all these loops and and there's all this pressure to, you know. I was watching, um, I was, I, I was watching uh, this group of lesbians, um, which I think you've interviewed one of them, Amber, Amber from Amber's Closet. Oh, yes. yeah. yeah. Amber of Amber's <laughs> Closet. Absolutely. She did a video and she was talking about like labels and she was talking with her friends and stuff. And I just, I really think like some of the, sometimes labels make people feel safe and that's for them. But also like, just be really careful that you're not like putting labels on other people yes. and saying they yes. can't call themselves something. If they feel that that's what it is, then for them, that's what it is. And if you're coming out of any sort of like, internalized homophobia or like deconstruction or like religion, it is so traumatizing to be like, okay, I got to figure out what I am. So I don't like disappoint anyone or I don't make a mistake. And then you just don't actually ever figure out what you are because you're so afraid of like what things are. That is, we used to talk in the first year of the podcast, we talked so much about labels that we were like, all right, we're going to chill out on this. We do this over here, but it has now (laughs) been a couple of years. So I'm so glad you bring that up because we can, we can say as we always used to labels are individual. If you enjoy using them, that is fantastic. And by all means use them, but do not put them on other people. Labels are for you, yay, happy. Labels are not to be imposed yep. on others or overanalyzed and, in others. So and people define good things in different ways. You know, like not everybody's definition of a label is the same. And obviously, especially since so many labels are so new to all we of have us. we micro like, labels is, now. Oh, my God. Labels I mean, there's labels. so much... But it's like, the, it's just, it's it's fluid, for lack of a better way of saying that. So, Stel, yeah, th- just thank you so much again. I mean, this is, y- it cannot be overstated, your uh, your strength, and you just, I, I'm just so impressed at the way you're able to discuss these things that are fairly recent history. Um, and just, I, I'm, we're so appreciative to you. Um, and to that end, uh, where can people, uh, find you and, and sort of follow your story? And I know you have some things coming up that you're working on. Yeah. Um, I think the easiest is just on Instagram. So that's at, um, A-S-T-E-L-L-E-A-U. Um, yeah. So I think that's, that's the easiest place to find me. And I, 
follow you guys and the podcast and everything so people can search. Um, but yeah, just, just on Instagram for, for now, probably, um, I'm off of Facebook. I've been off there for a couple of years. I, it's been very yeah, peaceful. Nice. <laughs> it's very peaceful. It's more peaceful. Because yes, everyone's on, on Facebook. Everyone's a member of the CIA. They're like checking up on you. And <laughs> Instagram is, is more where it's at for me personally. But yeah, <laughs> yeah just, I totally just Instagram that. for now. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. thank you so Great. much, guys. Yay. I really appreciate it. Thanks oh for having gosh. me. Thank you. Thank you We're so much so for reaching out and for yeah. being willing to talk about all of this stuff that is like, so obviously traumatic on several levels. It's really, I, I hope that in continuing to talk about this to whatever extent that you are, um, that there will be healing and community in it for, for yeah, you. Yeah, um, I really, I'm too. just like, I'm so blown away by, yeah. I, I'm just, I'm just so blown away at how, uh, at, at you, you're just, you're A plus. You're doing, you're doing great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Thank you. And uh, if you want to follow my um, less interesting life, uh, you can at (laughs) Nicole Basent uh, on Instagram and biannually on Twitter. Uh, and if you want to predominantly see photos and videos of my dog, you can follow me. I'm at Lauren Flans on Twitter and Lauren underscore Flans on Instagram. We are at Coming Out Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Our hashtags are hashtag Coming Out Pod, hashtag Found Ricky. Ricky, shout out to our patrons Simone, Jim W., Jack, Kim, Adri, BeyondClexa.com, Tanya, Mandy, Tia, Sarah Wilson, Kaz, Pooh, We Bleed Philly, Brittany Ray, Sammy, Ash, Michelle Carmel, Kieran Smiley, Mix Michelle Forbes, Kristen Erickson, Aaron Mitchell, and Vanessa Hunt. If you would like to join that list or check out any of our tiers of giving starting at $1 a month, you can go to patreon.com slash coming out pod. Um, we are very, very, very excited uh, that we have hired an assistant. We have hired an editor. Uh, we are so that Lauren and I can focus on growing the pod instead of just trying to keep up with it from week to week. Um, and uh, in order to, to do that, to, to grow the pod, to get these stories out there, um, really, truly, your patronage is is, is crucial. <laughs> yeah, we literally can't do it without that. Um, so thank you so much, uh, whatever you are willing to give. Um, Patreon.com slash coming out pod. You can also go to Apple Podcasts for free. Um, give us a five-star rating and a nice review. You, that also really helps uh, people find the podcast. And last but not least, um, if, if for those of you who who listen to the very end, uh, anytime we do have a guest where we're talking about uh, religion or religious trauma, I always, always, always love to shout out Freed Hearts, uh, which is uh, an organization founded uh, by two parents who who are, who were who are evangelical Christians and who um, who are just incredibly inclusive. They started this organization uh, because they do not believe that uh, being queer and and being religious or spiritual are at odds with each other. Um, So that's freedhearts.org, F-R-E-E-D hearts.org. Yeah, just in case that is a help to anyone. Mm -hmm. Stell, thank you again. This has been awesome. Thanks, guys. And also thank you for just having this platform and like talking to people because like I listened to a bunch of your episodes and it's just so, I mean, we're not alone, but like you guys like help people feel like they're not alone. So I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Oh, that makes it worth it. (laughs) Thank you so much.
love you guys. Oh, you. <laughs> no, really. Thank you. We Likewise. love you. Thank you. Oh, all right, everybody. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. Bye. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So, you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So, whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble.